Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. I finally got into an episode I've been wanting to do for a while, you know, with the uh, name, image, and likeness situation going on and uh, Ohio State finally, finally finalizing his 2021 class with the addition of JT Tui Molowau uh, a week or so ago. Uh, had to put a lot of things on the back burner. But I've been saving this one uh, for the right time. And I think now is the right time with uh, football season right around the corner and uh, these athletes gearing up to uh, not not just play football but compete for starting jobs on the uh, highly ranked Ohio State football team. I thought it would be a, a really good time to talk about uh, something that kind of came up in the, in the spring at, uh, in an interview with uh, Taraja Mitchell who's aspiring to be a starting linebacker after uh, serving an apprenticeship, an apprenticeship now for several years with the Buckeyes. And it's uh, he brought it up himself. It's basically dealing with performance anxiety uh, that a lot of these athletes go through, not just football players, but, uh, you know, across the spectrum of sports, really across the spectrum of society with people uh, being thrust into situations or are they – are they going to be able to handle that? Will they panic? Uh, will they overexert? Will they underexert? Uh, will they be frozen uh, in fear, so to speak, of not getting the job done? And you know, Taraja Mitchell said, as you as you'll see here in, in a quick little interview with him, and uh, uh, he's dealt with this for a while, basically his whole life. And uh, and you've got Ryan Day, you know, following that with an explanation of why it's important for to serve all the athletes' needs not just their physical needs 
and not just their uh, preparation for games, but uh, to be there from the standpoint of their mental well-being. And, uh, you know, he and his wife, Nina Day, have championed this cause uh, since Ryan became the head coach at Ohio State three years ago. Uh, It's very interesting. And then then to follow that up, you know, they've uh, started uh, the uh, Sports Psychology and Wellness Services Department at Ohio State that deals with that basically specializes with athletes and their and their challenges from a psychological standpoint. And I've got Dr. Chelsea Day, uh, a major domo in that office, uh, talking about that extensively about the the idea of performance anxiety and other challenges uh, athletes face as they play on the big stage. So, uh, you know, without further ado, let's get right into this uh, little show here, starting out with. Uh, to Roger Mitchell, kind of laying it all out there for folks during an interview in the spring. When you were out there last year, did you find yourself ever on the field in games? Did you find yourself ever pressing to make plays? What was the biggest, I guess, learning moment you had on the field last year about getting, con- you know, playing in control, under control, et cetera? Uh, and this just speaks to a lot of athletes. Uh, I'll personally, I'll speak out on this. Um, I, uh, personally, I struggle with performance anxiety. I've always struggled with that high school, college, and just now, like, you just have to get comfortable. You have to play a role. You have to watch film, and it all comes with just knowing your football IQ and feeling comfortable out there. I feel like that's the biggest thing, and I think I've developed that over this offseason. Just like I said, I watched a lot of film. You just got to be comfortable playing the position. Have you got have you gotten help with that performance anxiety at Ohio State? I mean, you know what I mean? Do you, or have you sought help for that? Yes, I have. Um, I've talked to players, coaches. We have, we have a wonderful staff here that allows you to – develop that like that's why I came here you get developed in all areas at Ohio State so it's a great place you know it's interesting because it it takes guts just to uh, admit you've got a challenge like that you know among athletes but it's getting easier to make that admission and uh, one of the reasons is when you have a head coach like Ryan Day who in essence has dealt with some of those challenges in, in his past which is why he he and his uh, wife Nina Day have championed this cause. Uh, you know, let's hear from him now on just basically his reaction to uh, to Roger Mitchell, but more of why it's important for Ohio State to have services that help these players in such situations. Last week, to Roger Mitchell admitted that uh, he had he had he dealt with some performance anxiety problems or you know challenges in the past and stuff. And uh, basically, it wasn't just that he admitted that and felt like he admitted it, but he also uh, was able to get, uh, you know, help from that, uh, help for that. And I'm just wondering, uh, how much does that show you how far you guys have come along as a program and and maybe as a sport? And I know you've pushed for those kind of issues that a guy not only can admit it, but uh, can get can get treatment for it right there with, within the program. Yeah, Tim, thanks for bringing that up. I think it's it's really strong statement by by him to talk about that. You know, it shows his, his security and, uh, you know, who he is as a person. And, um, and I, th- I think that's a strong statement. And it, it goes to show you that, um, you know, a lot of these guys suffer from that. But the fact that he's able to communicate it, ask for help. And, and we do have uh, an environment here where it's, um, it's talked about a, a good amount that you have physical health and you have mental health. And, um, you know, if you're spending a lot of time on your, on your physical health but not your mental health, uh, you may have an issue. And so, uh, you know, we talk about that all the time. We have support here and uh, it's recommended. And, uh, you know, I've talked to, to the guys before and explained to them that, you know, I, I've spoken to people before. We all need to work on it. Yeah. And uh, and for him to not only ask for the help, but then feel good enough to speak up and explain that, that he went through that 
uh, you know, hats off to him. And hopefully there's other people out there that hear that and, uh, and are willing to ask for help. And now we're back uh, with an interview that uh, I've been wanting to run for a while now with Dr. Chelsea Day. Uh, she's a licensed psychologist whose specialty is clinical sports psychology. <laughs> uh, she was once a diver at Miami University over in Oxford, Ohio, and uh, dealt with dealt with all these kind of challenges herself, as you'll find out is during this interview. But uh, she was in Indiana before joining the Ohio uh, Ohio State Sports Psychology and Wellness Services a few years ago, as they wanted to expand that and uh, make it more more readily available to the athletes. Uh, open door policy, so to speak, uh, on dealing with these things. So without further ado, let's, let's go to my uh, um, interview with Dr. Chelsea Day. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by an expert in the field of, I don't know, do you call it mental health? What would you call it, Dr. Chelsea Day? I call it sports psychology. You know, sports psychology truly encompasses both mental health and performance enhancement. So we can use that one cool uh, phrase for, uh, for all of it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you joining me. You know, uh, truth in advertising, I've known her, I've known Dr. Day for a while. I've, I know her husband ex- extremely well, uh, Jesse Giorzzi, and uh, I've always been impressed by your work, Dr. Day, even before you showed up at Ohio State. But give people <laughs> a quick background, where you came from, what makes you, for one of another term, an expert in this field? I was a, a collegiate diver at the, the wonderful Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and could have used a sports psychologist and so uh, became one. Um, So I did my graduate work. I got a doctorate in clinical psychology, specializing in work with athletes uh, out in New Hampshire, Um, ended up in Detroit for a minute at Oakland University, most recently spent a few years as the director of counseling and sports psychology at Indiana University, where I got to kind of build that program from the ground up. And that was really fun. And then had the opportunity to come home to Ohio and uh, joined the Buckeyes as one of the sports psychologists here in our sports psychologist and well, our sports psychology and wellness services um, staff. So okay. have been here since uh, late September of 2019. And you know, you go, but Dr. Chelsea Day, just yes. uh, you're, are you kin to Coach Ryan Day in any respect? I am not. No, just in spirit. Um, okay. Not not by blood. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty funny. It's ironic you even spent a little time in New Hampshire. That's where he's from. But yeah, but I digress. You know, uh, Doctor Day, we've talked about this before a little bit. But you know, in my opinion, Ryan Day is, has been on the cutting edge of of sports psychology from the standpoint of of players dealing with problems that necessarily. 10 years ago, even five years ago, they wouldn't reveal to people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just what has been your relationship, you, you and your your staff's relationship with the football program in particular, these rough and tumble dudes who won't ever admit they're even hurt, much less hurting in, inside, you know? Uh, what, what has just been your relationship so far? Have you been pleased with it? Absolutely. I mean, it starts from the top down. You know, the the unfortunate truth is Coach Day has his own, you know, long history with mental health and and in his family history that he talks really openly about, has been a champion for youth mental health through On Our Sleeves, you know, with Nationwide Children's Hospital. And he brings that that vulnerability into his coaching. And, And that, I mean, that's a game changer. So it starts from the top, being able to say, this is real human experience and you are humans and football players. Uh, and so the inception of our kind of little team of four in, in sports psychology unit here at Ohio State 
um, really got rolling in August of 2019. And since that started, he has been on board and totally in support of us. He has, you know, insisted that we be in the Woody around the guys available. They know our faces. They know our names. They know how to access us. Um, we even had drop-in hours over in the Woody so that people could stop by that if they didn't have an appointment, but wanted to pop in for five minutes, had a question, thought, wanted to touch base, um, that we were available. And so, you know, he knows us by name and face. He knows who we are. Um, you know, I, I think that one of my initial thoughts was, is this going to be lip service? You know, that yeah. us in, is this, it looks good and it does look good, but I've been really impressed with the way that we've really integrated into our department as a whole, and especially into football. Um, we're lucky also to have one of our, our sports psychology providers was most recently at the NFLPA. And so, you know, she also is, is really embedded because she understands kind of the flip side. She worked with a lot of retired NFL players. And so, you know, as a unit, we've really been made available and we've been consulted on a lot of issues and concerns. Um, and we're just around, we're in the training room and, and it's become a, a situation where you don't just go to the sports psychologist when you're having a really hard time that we're really starting to turn that corner where football also sees us as a resource to just enhance mental health and well-being or performance that we aren't just for when you're having trouble. So yeah. we have a lot of, we have a lot, a long way to go, but in the last year or so, we've made so much progress in that space. I was going to say, did it did it start with drips and dribbles as far as players being reluctant? I mean, you know, I think I think a lot of these guys, like you say, come from that tough world, you know, that uh, you don't hurt uh, one way or the other. And I would think if you, you get one, it's almost like if you can get a couple involved, then more it's word of mouth, right? Hey, this really helped me. And it, if you like you just pointed out, if you found that it's uh, that it's gotten much, y'all have been received much better, maybe than you were to begin with. What, what was it like to begin? Were, the, were they reluctant to come in? Absolutely. You know, I think they were, and, and there still is some of that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to paint a picture of utopia. We do have a long, yeah. you know, word of mouth is huge. I think that when people also think about sports psychology, there's also still this idea of a white coat behind a door. Who's going to say, lay down and tell me about your mother, right? <laughs> yeah. If they want to talk about their mother. That's great. We'll do it. But you know, I think a lot of it is we've become real people that, you know, our team, I think, is wonderful, a group of wonderful people with great variety of personalities. So I think that it's also been building relationships that have nothing to do with our job, where they see us, where, you know, Candace is super into shoes. So she will wear like the best sneakers. And, and there's conversation points around that, you know, and and. <laughs> just building conversations. So I think that that's been the key is just being human people that are a part of their team, just like anyone else that they can, you know, say hi and kind of shoot the shit with us a little bit if they want, as well as then understanding that we're just real people. So they can start to give us a little bit more to work with, you know, and, yeah. and, and some people keep things surface. They have one or two ideas and some people really want to talk about deep stuff and we meet people where they're at. And so it, it was a slow build. And again, with COVID, it's probably even been further delayed that, you know, we were not around. We weren't going to risk. We were going to risk being the one to take out the team. Right. So yeah. doing a lot of virtual. And so we're, we're going to we've seen and we're going to continue to see that really pick up as we can be more and more in person. Um, but it, it really has been that word of mouth. Someone has a decent experience and is like, oh, I went and talked to Sports Psych and they were really helpful, even if it was just 
I had been having trouble sleeping and they gave me a couple great tips. You should go. Um, or, oh, like they're, they're really cool. Like it's not that bad. You can go, go chat. And so, you know, that's how, that's how we build those relationships and, and we're, we're really working hard to continue that. Does, you know, I would think Hippocratic Oath pops in here or something, but is, is, uh, is what goes on in, in a conversation with you in that room or that Zoom room, does it stay in that Zoom room? I mean, you know, I would think sometimes these players might be reluctant thinking, I'm going to tell her and then she's going to tell Coach Day. And then next thing you know, I'm going to be in the transfer portal. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we are all licensed mental health professionals. So we are bound not only by HIPAA, we are, which is, you know, that thing you sign every yep. year. We are also bound by our state licensure laws, which states that we can only speak to other medical professionals providing treatment to that individual. So we also can't just go talk to a random doctor or a random athletic trainer that the only time we can share without a signed consent is for the purpose of medical services. So, you know, we really can't even confirm or deny for meeting with someone. So if coach day walked up to me tomorrow and was like, Chelsea, I need to know, have you been talking to so-and-so? I just wouldn't be able to say anything. Even if that player said, Hey, coach day, I'm meeting with Chelsea. If Coach Day walked up to me right now and asked, I would have to say, oh, I can't really tell you anything unless I have a signed piece of paper. And I would have to go back to that athlete. And we inform them of that, you know, the first time that we meet with them. Um, We inform our coaches of that. And I have to say that, um, you know, every coaching staff has different feelings about that. Uh, From from the high school to the professional level, everyone's got their own view and, and discomfort with some of that. Our football staff has been wonderful. They don't want to know what they can't know. They're really about, we trust that you will work to get us whatever information we need and that you'll work with our players, but they are also really invested in building their own relationships with the players that the players will share with them. And so, you know, we've never gotten pushed from them of, no, you have to tell me, tell me information you shouldn't, which I think is also really helpful that we can confidently share that with the players and say, your coaches don't push. And so this really is confidential unless you want to share with them or unless you ask me to, because sometimes they'd rather us share than them have to share. Yeah. And you can get that signed sheet. Right. And then we can say, Hey, just so you know, here's what they want you to know. They're just not comfortable telling you. And we can all work together that way. Have you, uh, you know, like COVID kind of screwed everything up in yeah. terms of just when y'all got the ball rolling, you know, uh, all of a sudden you're doing zoom meetings like we're doing right now. Yeah. But uh, have you have you have you gotten any uh, any walk ins so to speak that were recommended that they were recommended to you by a coach if you follow I mean is it a kind of a three way street there Yeah we you know we do our coaches are great about those referrals so um, sometimes they will say you know I th- and and our coaches really are good about approaching it delicately we don't do mandatory services so yeah. coach say you have to, but our coaches work really hard on figuring out how to encourage people to do that. And again, our relationships with our various coaches also help because they can say, I know this person, I trust this person, and I really think it would be helpful. And so they can pitch our services and they they believe in our services, which is really helpful. Um, So they're able to say, we trust them. Uh, And so we do get folks that say, hey, my coach is recommended or my coach thought this might be helpful or I shared this thing with my coach. Occasionally a coach will, will tell us. So 
despite the fact that we can't share information, we can always receive information. So our coaches will sometimes let us know, hey, I'm really concerned about so-and-so. They said this thing or they did this thing or I noticed this change. And we say, thank you so much. And then we take that and do with it whatever we can or cannot do with it. And so, you know, they're really good about making sure that the the safety net is there. Yeah. That aren't using our services are on our radar. Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, you know, because like I said, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, you you know, uh, what they say, you got a knee injury, you put a, uh, as, as one coach, you say you uh, tape a, an aspirin to your knee and get back in there. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Rub some dirt, man. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you know, I've, all through life, you know, you've met guys that have had, have, have had challenges from a mental or a psychological standpoint of playing the game. And the reason, you know, one of the reasons I'm talking with you is I'm, a, I'm not going to name this player, even though he's named, you know, uh, at, uh, elsewhere in this podcast, because I don't want to breach any kind of, yeah, but, but basically brought up the idea of dealing with performance anxiety yep. and uh, and you're kind of going performance anxiety, you know, uh, 20 years ago, what the hell is that? You know, and yeah. uh, and now it's like it's a real thing uh, mm-hmm. that sometimes it, it, it's a little bit of a hurdle a, a player has to get through, male or female. And uh, just can you define what's what performance anxiety is for the uh, for the layman? Yeah, so I would say the performance anxiety is when um, our level of kind of nervousness that we all get rises to a level where it becomes impactful, impairing, or debilitating. And so if we're talking just performance related, then it's something that maybe doesn't cross other areas of life. But when it's time to perform, when it's time to be evaluated, that that anxiety rises to such a level that it impacts our ability to perform as expected. Yeah. So when that, when that, when that happens with like, you're standing on the high board. No, what, what board did you go off of at Miami three meter? What were you, what were you an expert at? We just did a one and three meter yeah. left tower in the Mac. I was not an expert in either of them. To be clear, I was a very mediocre Mac diver, but, but nonetheless, I did it. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, you were trying, you were trying for perfection yes, every time. Yes. Uh, did, you know, and you said, you know, that background is kind of what got you interested in this because you uh-huh. dealt with some, demons or not demons, but thoughts that were counterproductive to what you were trying to do. And did they ever rise to the performance anxiety kind of like level, I guess? Absolutely. I, you know, at the time I didn't know the term performance anxiety. So I just said I was a big old chicken. Um, But absolutely, you know, there was a whole, a whole group of dives. Our reverse dives are commonly known as gainers um, that I I had a total block on. I, I mean, at state meet in high school, I went to do the dive. I freaked out in the middle of it and smacked flat on my back in state meet. And it very much was this, my adrenaline would pump. I would freeze. There's sometimes even in practices where I'd, I'd go to start the dive and I'd just stop on the end of the board. And so it was really this like debilitating, paralyzing anxiety about this one group of dives. Um, and, it actually took me driving down, my mom driving me down from Mansfield to the old natatorium at Ohio State and using their bubble system to start to get some comfort. And still then, once I got to college, it still was a problem for me, but I didn't have any resources to deal with it. And so I just kind of pushed through and stayed a chicken the whole time. Yeah. But it, uh, by the way, that that place was kind of spooky, wasn't it? The old was it? Yeah, like dark. Oh, I, mean, and, I, yes. I remember being in there a couple of times. I'm going, wow, man, you really got to want it. But it was at the point at that point of state of the art, but I digress. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so what I'm getting to here is even though you meet with these, with these young men and talk them through some things, et cetera, 
it's not necessarily a miracle cure, right? I mean, it's like it's an overtime kind of thing of getting you past one thing or the other. And I would think performance anxiety can lead to either overreaction uh, or underreaction like you're talking yes. about, right? Is that is that kind of what we're talking about a little bit? Absolutely. There, there is, um, there's a concept called the inverted U. It's a theory of arousal. And it kind of talks about the idea that, you know, we all have this optimal zone, this optimal level of arousal or anxiety or nerves. And when that's too high, we don't perform well, but when it's too low, we don't perform well. And so, you know, we have to find where our optimal zone of being amped up, revved up, kind of ready to go um, because it really can do one or the other. And so, you know, it is about finding our, our unique space within that. And it often is a, a longer term thing. You know, nothing, nothing is more challenging than when someone comes in to talk to me, you know, before championships or, you know, before a big game and they want the quick fix that's going to work in four days. And I usually say like, I, I cannot help you with that. What I can do is we can start the process because, you know, there's, there's, it starts somewhere, right? Yeah. By the time it's debilitating or really impactful, we have got some stuff to unlearn and some things to do. And we've got to commit to the strategies that are going to eliminate it over time. If I had a one session magic cure-all, I would be super rich living in some beach in the Caribbean, just like meeting with people once and taking my money and running. So, um, you know, it's a longer term commitment than that because it usually comes from something far, far earlier than when they're coming in to see us. I was going to say, I think you'd be living in the Grand in, Grand, in the Cayman Islands where you could hide all your money too. Uh, there you go. Now that, that would be, that would be the I'm sure Jesse spot. would go for that. Your husband, but I digress. <laughs> I so uh, you know, Kus Fraba, you know, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Anger Management, <laughs> but are there, are there like little tips and terms, you, you know, that you, you, that can trigger, you know, like, you, you know, the smell of a perfume, you know, of a girl you dated, you know, 50 years ago can pop certain memories and stuff. I mean, are there, are there key phrases and things like that involved in some of this kind of therapy? hundred percent. And we work to individualize that. So no one phrase will work for everyone. What works for you might not work for me, might not work for, you know, this or that player. And so a lot of our work is identifying what those things are. What yeah. are our cues? What are our cues that we can practice and that we can tie again, similar to, um, you know, when you, when you see food, you start to salivate. How can we create that automatic response where when I say or think this word, I automatically feel this type of way. And we have to train ourselves into that. So it's identifying something meaningful for that person, tying it to the, the desired behavior or feeling and working toward that over time. Generally, and this is generally because, you know, uh, you don't want to get too specific in any of this kind of stuff. But generally, what 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 do football players just because this is about football more than anything? Yeah. Yep. What do football players generally uh, what bugs them the most? I mean, from you know your experience, uh, maybe just over the last two years. Although, and like you said, I don't think your immersion has been as deep as it could have been if it hadn't been for COVID. Yet, yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute. But what just generally bugs football players that you that you find that once you can get them over that makes them, you know, a quarter, 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 not only just a better player, maybe a better person. Yeah, I think anxiety is is the top one. So anxiety is what brings most college athletes into our office, uh, or at least it's the the biggest the biggest presenting thing. And that's true with football. And I think it, it becomes more true with football and depression as well. And and the reasons are tied for both of those. You know, you mentioned before this this macho culture, this tough culture. And so 
you know, we spend so much time stuffing things down because football players are people, they're people first who are really good at football. And so, but we forget, right. And we want them to push the people part down because we want them to be really good. But what happens is at some point that, that cement breaks and those weeds start coming up and just like weeds in my garden, I can't just pull them and just pop right off the top. I have to dig down and get to those roots, right. Or those weeds keep coming back up. I'm so tired of pulling weeds. Um, you know, but, but that's how it is. Right. And so whether it's childhood trauma, whether it's, um, you know, high pressure because everybody expects them to do well, especially when we're talking about, you know, Buckeye level of football, um, you know, when we're talking about aspirations for big careers, when we're talking about, um, just the academic load, or like we saw the, the fact that social media can be hateful and, these are 18 to 22 year old young men having to deal with stuff that I certainly never had to deal. I'll never have to deal with. So it's a lot of these underlying factors that we know start to build. It might be challenging coaches in the past. So, you know, maybe they had a coach that was fear-based in coaching, wanted to, to coach out of fear. And so now there's all this underlying stuff. Um, and then just like regular life stuff that we all deal with grief and family issues and, you know, dysfunctional family units and girlfriend issues and boyfriend issues and all that type of stuff. So we take all the normal life stuff add the pressures of football and the potential that they've got this early childhood trauma, whatever that might be. And it's a perfect storm for that cement starting to crumble. And again, once the weed pops up, you can't pretend it's not there though. We try until, until the whole ground crumbles underneath them. So our goal is to, you know, build these relationships early, identify what those things are so that we don't ever get to the crumble point. It's so much easier to pull the weed when you first see it versus when those roots have taken, you know, a really strong hold. And so, um, yeah, I mean, anxiety, depression really are, are the big underlying things though. What gets them through the door is usually, oh, this performance thing isn't going as well. I'm having this little relationship problem. I'm having some trouble sleeping. Um, uh, having these, like it's the littler things that usually they come in with. And then once we, once we really get in there and we can start digging around, we find all this other stuff that we've got to work through. Do you, you do you see guys just carry themselves differently after some interaction, after several sessions with you folks? I mean, do you, do you, you know, for one or another term, they look more confident. What, what you know, what, what is the telltale sign that, uh, that things are working, so to speak? Yeah. I like to think confident and, and lighter. Um, you know, a yeah. lot of, a lot of our young men are carrying really heavy stuff and what we know about mental health and, uh, various, you know, mental wellness challenges is that they have a physical impact as well. And so there's a literal physical heaviness that comes with that muscle tension and, postural things. And so when someone really starts to unpack that, A, they start to feel more capable of handling their stuff. And so that's that confidence that I don't have to hide it anymore. I don't have to pretend. I'm a little bit freer. I can stand a little taller. I can be more confident in asking for what I need in talking about what's bothering me. Um, And I've unloaded that somewhere. There's a a concept in in psychology about um, a container and that our offices get to serve as these metaphoric containers, whereas you get to unpack it, you can leave it in our container and you can come back anytime and revisit it, but you don't have to take it with you. 
you have to carry it out with you. And so, you know, the, I think that when we really can notice an impact, when someone's really in, engaged and they're, they're doing the hard work, you see that confidence, that lightness, that ability to articulate what it is that they want and need and are trying to do. Dr. Day, you know, like you said, like I said, going back to you standing on the uh, one meter or three meter board at Miami, but uh, are you amazed as you sit here now that this wasn't a bigger part? <laughs> this wasn't a bigger part of the uh, training for one of another term. Um, maybe training is not even the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Of yeah. an athlete's life. Because we've all heard, you know, golfers with sports psychologists here and there, but a lot yeah. of them don't. I mean, we've all heard the benefits they can do, they, they, yeah. that, that, that can come from that and stuff. But are, are you are you sitting here amazed that this, this is just now sort of like really burgeoning, you know? And I think Ohio State's at the cutting edge of it, everything I can tell. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in the profession. You know better than I do. But is it amazing that, uh, that coaches who are into – and administrators, but mainly coaches who are into like getting the most out of players that they can uh, – didn't get to this until like recently, you know, you, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable because the field of sports psychology dates back to the 1890s. So there have been people doing research in sports psychology in college athletics since the 1890s. Wow. And it is just in the last five or 10 years. And, and really in the last, in the last five or 10 years that you're hearing more about it, but in the last three to five that it's really taking off and people are investing What's crazier to me, you know, college athletics is at the forefront of this. So college athletics is, has the, probably the most full-time positions outside of the military that hires a lot of sports psychology professionals, but college athletics is really, it's really doing some good work. What's more astonishing to me is that pro sports hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah. Pro sports has like a consultant that comes in for one day a week to talk to people. And this idea that, you know, by the time you get to college and pro sports, and especially at this level with, you know, this, these power five schools and, and a program like Ohio state, these players have done tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours of physical work. And so, you know, them like, you know, the mistake is not physical. The physical mistakes aren't physical. They've done those reps 40 million times. They've, yeah. they've moved in that way. And so, the idea that we've we've not embraced this as much as we could, even just from the performance side, even if we take out the impact of mental health, is it blows my mind. You know, nutrition was was well before that, and rightfully so. However, I can eat real well, and if I'm paralyzed by anxiety or I'm distracted by family issues that I have nowhere to talk about it. I can't out eat that. And so it, it is mind blowing to me that we're just getting here. Now it's great for me, you know, in my career trajectory and in my timing and my career, yeah. but you know, it, it, I mean, to think, I think a lot about what I, what my potential could have been as a diver and not that I was ever going to go to the Olympics. That was never in my, in, in the books, yeah. but in terms of thinking about the per, type of performance I could have had um, if I had had someone to work with me just a little bit on confidence and fear and anxiety and, you know, managing emotions. And I dealt with an injury my freshman year that nagged me for three years. And, you know, had I had someone to talk about that with, I think my injury would have recovered better. And, you know, it's just astonishing to think I would have had a totally different experience, um, which is, which is why I love my job is I have the opportunity to provide that to people. Yeah. Yeah. See, thoughts are your demons a lot of times. No kidding. I mean, I mean, and, uh, 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 I, I was just wondering, 
you know, with, with these players too, I'm talking about Ohio State football players in yeah. particular, they're usually the best player on their high school team <laughs> or one of the two, you know, and they show up at Ohio State and there are guys who are as good as them. There are some guys that are better than them, you yeah. know, at their particular expertise. Is, yeah. is that as big a – is that – if you found – is that as a, a, a big of a – I don't know what's the word I'm looking for there, anxiety – causing thing is anything else that now you're in like competition. It is clearly competition. Uh, how do you deal with that? Right. I think, and, and I think it's probably underappreciated people talk about it. And I think that when I've talked to players about it, they, they knew coming in, like they intellectually knew that I'm going to go from being the guy to being one of the guys and maybe kind of not the guy, Um, and, and I'm okay with that intellectually. And then I get here and oh my gosh, I am now self-conscious. I am now anxious. I, my confidence is shot because I thought I was, you know, great. And, and they are still great, which is what we try to remind them. They are still great, but I'm, I have a different comparison point, right? Yeah. It's It's like a hot tub to a pool. The pool might be a really comfortable temperature. Once you get in the hot tub, when you jump back in the pool, you're like, oh my, it's the same exact temperature it was. They're the same exact player they were, but their comparison point is totally different. And that's what we have to remind them of, that that can either serve as an incredible benefit to help pull and elevate their performance, or it can crush them and they'll never reach their potential. Um, But again, intellectually, they all know. You ask any recruit, anyone who signs, yeah, of course, of course I know that. But it feels a lot different when you get in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would think that's the biggest. And then some guys show up like the Bosa brothers or whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Chase Young, you know, uh, Justin Fields, and they just keep, you know, you know, yes. there are better, as Liam Neeson said in that Star Wars, there's always a bigger <laughs> fish, you know. Uh, oh, no, but those are the people that excel, right? Those are the folks that used it to elevate themselves and to push themselves. Yeah. The confidence to be like, yeah, I may not be the best right now, but you wait because I will be. Yeah. Uh, Last thing, the COVID-19, you know, which we're still, like I said, dealing with, I'm not even sure, uh, like, for example, you, you guys, uh, your, your group, are y'all allowed in the building now and stuff? Or, I mean, so it's moving back toward normal. Is that the best way of putting it? It is. Yeah. We're, we're very much on the trajectory. We were kind of kept out of things for, for a long while. And now we're allowed to kind of reintegrate thanks to, you know, the, the wonderful vaccine compliance within the department, the, the really good safety measures that have become so normal that it no longer feels like a burden to do those things, just part of life. And so we're able to, to safely interact, you know, across the board. But the past 12 months, or especially when things got shut down and stuff, did your, did your zoom business pick up? I mean, did you, did you find, you know, players and maybe even coaches, you know, seeking you out maybe a little bit more? Because, I mean, you know, we talked like I had Josh Myers on my podcast like in January talking about sitting in a room all by yourself, you know, or your apartment all by yourself or maybe with your one buddy and stuff. And uh, just, I mean, clearly that had to present some psychological hurdles for these guys who are used to being together, working out, you know, et cetera. How how did I guess in a nutshell, how did y'all deal with that? And did business quote pick up end quote during that time? It sure did. You know, it, it, what's really cool about working in the college space as a sports psychologist is that, you know, you, you grind yourself into the ground from September to, to early December, the break comes for winter and you like get a breath of fresh air and the summer's that way too. 
you get through spring, you know, it's chaos. And then you're like, Oh, I get a breather. And we did not get a breather last summer, um, which, which was good and great and fine. You know, we're happy to do that, but it was definitely a whole different feel last summer in terms of the demand. But it also, the great blessing about it was twofold. We now are accessible from anywhere. So when you have a really busy pre COVID, you had to come see us in person, right? So you had to find that time to get to our offices and get back to where you need to go, whether it's class or practice or whatever. Um, and so you needed more than an hour, right? You needed, you needed that, that buffer time on either side. And now we have folks who they'll go out to their car and they've got 45 minutes. We got 45 solid minutes and they go back in, yeah. or, you know, whatever we can, we can do that virtually. So people can fit more, more in. So that was really helpful. We also had a lot of relaxed laws federally in terms of cross pra- cross state practice. So some of our folks who had to go home, we could still meet with them where previous prior to COVID, I can't practice out of the states that I'm licensed in. I'm only licensed in Indiana and Ohio with some exceptions with state laws, but there was declarations of emergency. And so we were able to meet with folks even when they went home, which just gave, again, greater access. It gave them more opportunity to get to know us so that now, you know, some of our businesses is keeping up, which is great. But we we saw a tremendous increase. And that was across the Big Ten. We all get together and from all sports, but specifically with all of the ups and downs and, and questions around football, you know, across the board, we all saw some increases with utilization there. Um, and with coaches wanting to utilize us for preventative type stuff, for um, team talks, for different handouts and resources. And so we were also more utilized for kind of that secondary more passive intervention, not just that one-to-one counseling stuff. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hey, last thing, uh, is this, <clears throat> this is here to stay, isn't it? I mean, do you see it only, I'm talking about your profession, I mean, the, yep. y'all's expertise, it's only going to blow up from here, isn't it? I mean, and 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 like I said, I'm not trying to get you to brag in Ohio, on Ohio State and stuff, but, but has Ohio State become a little bit of a model for one of another uh, term on – utilizing the, this this part of uh, sports psychology, but, but but utilizing this. I mean, what, you know, how would you define it? Yeah, we're working on it. You know, I think that Ohio State was actually a little bit behind the ball, and that was the excitement, the exciting part for me to, to join this staff and help to kind of really blow it up because we want to be the leaders. And we're the fastest growing sports psychology staff in the country. Um, we may not be the biggest yet, but we're the fastest yeah. Growing. And that to me matters more because it means there's a consistent investment. It's not a one-time deal. They didn't say we hire you now leave us alone. We're not giving you any more money. They said, we want to grow this. We want to be the model. Um, we actually starting this summer will be, we brought on board, we advocated and brought on board um, a sports psychiatrist uh, who will be joining us full-time in athletics one day, one full day a week. And then hopefully we'll increase that. Yeah. We are being a postdoctoral fellow this year. So, so what, what we're seeing is continued investment and that's where we're becoming the leaders where we're growing and we're serious about it. The sports psychiatry piece, the way that we're going to integrate this position will hopefully be a national leader type of integration. There are some other places that have sports psychiatry, but no one's going to do it like the Buckeyes. And we're going to make sure of that. Um, And so, you know, we have a, a lot of support from our athletic director down from the sports medicine clinic at the Jameson crane down. We have tons of support, both financially, um, you know, in, in other types of in-kind support. And it's, it's been really incredible. And so I think that we are getting up to where Ohio state should have been really, really quickly 
quicker than anyone else. And we're about to cross that threshold in being the leaders. And that's what's really fun and exciting is that, you know, sports psych is going to catch up with football where we get to, we're going to get to be the leaders in this space as well. Hey, I know I said last thing, but that's my calling card. <laughs> Your husband will let you know, I'm sure. Uh, but this is the last thing. Yeah. Uh, with a coach like Ryan Day, uh, are you just, I don't know, are you thankful every day, pardon the pun, that someone like that has come along in the football coaching profession? I mean, I'm, I, there are others, but I mean, especially him, because you, you know, y'all work with him and stuff, but uh, that gets it. I mean, uh, it, it, like I said a while ago, this thing is just kind of sort of just keep, keep getting larger, I think, for, in scope, because the guy who really can really, sour the you know sour the well salt the well or or purify the well has decided to purify the well i mean what again what does that mean you know with you guys knowing you guys knowing you have he has your back just like you have his back <laughs> yeah and i'm and i'm spoiled so i came from tom allen so tom yeah. allen is that same vibe right so i'm like really blessed i don't think i could go anywhere i mean if i were to to go somewhere else ever, I, I, that was one of my first questions because I'm really spoiled with football coaches that believe in the person. But yeah, we're, we, we talk about it often. I mean, we just got him to record a video on our sports site Twitter for an account that has 58 followers. We have like 150,000 impressions um, on this one video, which speaks to the, the platform that Ryan Day has and that he uses well to promote mental health. But we also have Coach Holtman. We, I mean, like, we're super spoiled here. Coach yep. Holtman also talks a lot about mental health, his own mental health. And so we are we are eternally grateful that we aren't fighting uphill battles. We are working with coaches who, if we ask them to record a video for us for Mental Health Awareness Month, they're like, absolutely. When do you need it by? Yeah, we'll get it to you. And I mean, just that, those little gestures, they go a long way because again, it's a top-down thing. The way that athletes interact with sports psychology services is absolutely hinged on how their coaches view sports psychology. And so the fact that we've got someone like Ryan Day in our leadership position within our football program that trickles down to all of his assistant coaches, because they know he's serious about it, that trickles down to the player, to the GAs, to the players um, and to the community that, you know, there's a lot of support. We've been really lucky that we've had community donations into various funds that have helped sports psychology staff grow as well. So I think that that even goes out to donors. It's been really incredible to see that this idea that the person matters, that you are a whole person permeates now our whole football program from people outside to the, to the people inside. And we couldn't, we couldn't be more thankful. I mean, it makes my job infinitely easier. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Chelsea Day. Dr. Day, thank you for joining the Tim May podcast. And uh, this was a, a Tim May podcast that was a blast. I really appreciate it because, you know, like I said, I grew up in the, you know, even with your brothers, you know, your brother, you're not hurt. Get back in there. You know, you, uh, why, why are you crying? Well, I got to be, you know, you know, I had all yeah. these and you, you know what I mean? All these things can all add up to a guy dropping a pass in a crucial yes. moment. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hey, Dr. Day, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the athletes today in major college sports, they have a lot of things coming at them <laughs> a long time. You know, Taraja Mitchell is starting his, for example, has started his own fashion uh, brand uh, under the name Imogen Likeness, uh, re relaxation of those rules, and uh, hopes to benefit from that. But in the meantime, he's got a an Ohio State football season to play. 
uh, challenge for that starting job, as we spoke of earlier. And uh, this is going to be an interesting fall for all kinds of reasons, but it always helps when you've got someone to fall back on, someone to kind of tell your troubles to for one of another term. And I think that's what Dr. Chelsea Day and her group in the Ohio State uh, Sports Psychology and Wellness Services provide for these athletes. This is, my opinion, a very interesting uh, show, and uh, I appreciate my guests for coming on. You know, and until next week, when we start talking really about football uh, in particular uh, with, with the upcoming uh, Big Ten media days, and after that, the start of preseason camps, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.